0: James Joyce, poor Joyce, a phenomenal man, supporting a gay house in a slum of despond. He moved houses, those haunted inkpots scores of times. His father before him had often moved house, and for an identical reason, impecunity. His name derived from the Latin and meant joy, but at times he thought himself joyless. That Jejune Jesuit spurning Christ's terrene body, a lecher, a Christian brother in luxuriousness, a bullock befriending bard, a peerless mummer, a priestified kinchite, a quill frocked friar, a timoneer, a pullbag flasher, and a man with a gift of Irish majuscule script. He shared with Robert Burton a fascination and a curiosity about women's apparel. But whereas to the author of Anatomy of Melancholy they were a source of wickedness, to James Joyce they were a source of spermic titivation. Three-quarter-length skirts caught on the bias, bloomers, stockings of purest silk, a wad of cotton wool soaked in perfume were all but a spring to catch woodcocks. Mr Joyce was not immune to the faults of women but he was a man who believed in the overcoming of obstacles by the use of one's wits. The marriage of Socrates and Xanthope he commended because it helped Socrates to perfect the art of dialectic by having to contend daily with a shrew. Like many a young man, he skirted the snares of love, but true to life, he fell unto depition. O Carus, O Carissima. A more intricate Bambolina could one not colour up out of Bacuchia's enameron. The myth in mid-the-air, mother of moth. To have an inkling of anyone else's ascension-dissension into love is nearly impossible. But to understand James Joyce's is dazzling, daunting, metamorphosing and imponderable. Here there is no truck with pots and pans, no normality. There is at once a reality weird in its searchingness and a transformation wherein women are put on pedestals for litanies, opals and pearls, warm lights, broken music. The molecules of the body shuttling to and fro as the artist in the man weaves and unweaves woman's image and the man in the artist desecrates and considers the stains on her drawers forever mingling the genitalia and the transubstantial. He carried a miniature pair of women's drawers in his pocket, but unaccountably lost them one day, just as Leopold Bloom might have done. Women are like rivers that flow in their own ineluctable way. Chatter-chatter, tease for him, toes for him, toss for him, exultance, idiosyncrasy, consummation a raveled mind giving values, dimensions and properties that do not exist except in the dreamer's desire for the impossible. Practical though he was in his delineation of the human anatomy, and in his description of the air, the streets and the shopfronts of his native Dublin, it is nevertheless impossible to decide what was real and what was figment. Admitting to being phenomenally egotistical and unused to compromise, Nevertheless, he fell in love. We know that he and the future Mrs. Joyce eloped from Ireland, lived permanently in rented rooms, were hounded by debt, and that Mrs. Joyce did not read much and did not care to cook. She bore the same name as the barnacle goose which he took to be an augury. He liked wild geese, gannets and migratories. The auguries that birds brought were succour associational Their actual marriage did not take place until twenty-three years later, and then it was a tame twilight event in a registry office, embarked upon for practical reasons so that their children could inherit his estate. But love, as Joyce would say, does not gallop on the rice course of matrimony. For a long time they were fondly affianced. Pillowed on my coat she had her hair, earwigs in the heather scrub, my hand under her nape. You'll toss me all. Oh, wonder. He could say that. He did say that. But did he not also say that Irish women were the cause of all moral suicide? He identified his mother with the Catholic Church, which he thought to be the scullery maid of Christendom. On both mothers, he